live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys. With deserts, beaches, lush green rolling mountains, and even some of the world's greatest wonders, Israel has its fair share of natural sights to see. It's no wonder that more and more tourists and backpackers have picked Israel as their travel destination. Now, although we're not sponsored by Israel's Ministry of Tourism yet, we figured Israel's ever-growing attractions are worth a discussion. Gal Mor of Abraham Hostel has been a world traveler since a young age, growing up in England and Canada. He finally moved to Israel at age 18 and eventually made a career out of his life passion, opening a touring company and the famous Abraham Hostel. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com. Also in cooperation with Secret Tel Aviv, Israel's largest online social network community in English. Just look for the group on Facebook or visit them at secrettelaviv.com. Subscribe to Two Nice Jewish Boys on iTunes. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate us. And of course, we want to hear your feedback. So let us know what you think in the comments or send us a message on Facebook. Hello, Gal. Good. Hi, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Good. So, what's your favorite spot to travel to in Israel? Wow. And why? That's a big first question. My favorite spot. Um, I don't know if it's going to be very exciting, but there's a, uh, I live in a kibbutz near Abu Ghosh. There's a, an amazing little hill called Givata Slaim with some picnic areas and uh, tree houses. It's probably my favorite. Take the dog and the kids there. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Just simple. Nice and simple, close to home. Wow. Yeah. It's like, what, a 15-minute walk from home? Not even. It's Not even. A, it's like down the, down the street. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> For a world traveler, I feel that's kind of fitting, actually. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's counterintuitive. It's always closest to home is where, yeah. so this, where it ends up being. This title is, is fits you? You, you were, you are a world traveler? I think so, yeah. I mean, that's what's driven me to where I am today. Uh, passion for travel um, and cultural exchanges and meeting people. I think that's what's most um, drawn me over the years. And yeah, I think so. It still does. How did it come to be? How did you become? How did I become a world traveler? Yes. I think uh, as you researched uh, very well, uh, very impressively researched, uh, I not grew that, up moving around. Not that impressive. Yeah, we simple Google. Website. We, yeah, we yeah. just pulled it off the website. <laughs> Fair enough. It's still good enough. Wasn't sure if it was true, actually. But yeah. I figured, you know, if it wasn't, then we could hold no, you accountable. we had some uh, volunteer make it up for each one of us. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just go with the flow and continue yeah. to make up the story. Okay. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, I, I moved, uh, I gr- grew up moving around with my family. So we lived in England and Canada, um, on and off, alternating with Israel. And uh, I think that's where I got the travel bug. Um, used to travel a lot as a family as well. And uh, right, off the en- right at the end of high school in Canada, before I came back uh, to my, do my military service in Israel, I took a three-month um, uh, leave train, of absence. Train uh, trip, uh, Euro trip around uh, Europe. Uh, uh, yeah. And then uh, um, a little bit while I was in the military, as much as I could get out a little bit in Israel, when I, was, I was off, so I snuck away as well. Uh, and then after the army, one year around the world, and uh, on and off since then. Uh, after university, moved to uh, to live in Berlin for three years, um, and did a lot of travel out of Berlin, which was a fantastic hub to to travel the world from. Mm-hmm. Um, three months South America, um, North America, around wow. Europe, uh, Thailand, and the but when do you dis- do you realize it's more than a hobby? 
I think I most realized it when I was contemplating what I want to do when I grow up. When I came back from Berlin to Israel and I was kind of done my job there and I was thinking, you know, I, t- I studied international relations. I don't know, you didn't read that. Uh, <laughs> and media. <laughs> You're fired, Eitan. Uh, yeah, oh. go back to research. Oh. And I, uh, I actually in Berlin kind of worked in international relations in a way. And uh, at the Ministry uh, Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs. And I uh, came back and I realized that's probably not what I want to do, what I want to do when I grow up. And I had this passion for travel and I ran into a really cool and innovative concept in, in Berlin uh, that had just started up, this concept of a free tip space tour. And, uh, and that became an option. And maybe I thought to maybe dabble in startup. I think I was always an entrepreneur without really understanding what it meant or, mm-hmm. or there, it being so fashionable to be one. Yeah. And, um, and then I decided to, and, and I, I was very weary of making travel my profession because I was worried it was going to ruin it for me. And that's when I think I became aware of the fact that I love to travel. Do I want to risk working in it or not? And I took the risk and, uh, and, Overall, it's been fantastic, and I think it's uh, it's allowed me to continue to be involved in it. Although there are days where I where I feel that I'm at the position where we are now with Abraham Hostels and tours. Actually, that's kind of um, important to emphasize the tours. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit in not the position where I initially set out to be. I think if I narrow it down now retroactively or retrospectively. I probably aimed at being a volunteer in a hostel, not the owner of several hostels. But that wouldn't have made you much money. No, but that's (laughs) the kind of lifestyle I think I had envisioned. Meeting people, being worry-free, hanging out, having very little responsibility, which is... Oh, what's stopping you now from doing that? Now? (laughs) (laughs) You own the hostel, you can just... I give wish. the responsibility to someone else and just go volunteer. <laughs> Not at that point yet. Okay. I mean, we're, we're still a little bit early and we, we, we have a lot to achieve and we have a lot to pay back. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so yeah. that responsibility still lies with myself and my partners. Uh, but one day, I think. But it's, you know, it's that, that story of a, of a guy who was fishing and then somebody came you know the story came and said why don't you mm. uh get a boat he get more fish he got a boat and he got more fish why don't you get a fleet he got a fleet of of, of, of fishing boats he had lots of uh fish and then he became really rich and then he said that's it um i'm gonna now fulfill my life dream i'm gonna sit at, at the beach and fish and that's all i want to do right <laughs> and so it's a little bit that i'm at the point where it's now escalated and there are are many people who can do a volunteer job and there are only few of us who can do what, what we do as owners, managers. So, do yeah, you do you manage to still travel? Do I, I do uh, a, some travel that's work-related. So I attend several conferences around the world, um, tourism-focused mm-hmm. uh, conferences. Uh, as the manager of our tour company, I always pilot and try out all these different tours and experiences that we, we, we offer here in, in Israel, here in Israel, the West Bank, Jordan and Egypt. That's, that's so we're a regional tour company and that ties into the um, kind of motivation for the hostels. Also, we, we set out to be a regional chair. We could talk about that a li- later if you want. Um, and, and that's when I travel. I'm now for the first time in seven years going to take two weeks off with the kids and the wife and going to go to, we're going to go to a Holland, which is, kind of the first travel serious trip that's not 
myself and uh, an employee or mm -hmm. that's work related let's say. how long it's gonna be two weeks so no in how in how long, in how long? the first time the first like, time in, the in almost time? seven years that it's been wow. that i've gone on a like a, a more significant trip that's more than a long weekend okay yeah and would you say you're more of like you're gonna go to holland are you more of a backpacker or a, a city, city uh no I'm, I'm definitely more in outdoors mm -hmm. a nature kind of traveler than a city traveler mm -hmm. I, I i can enjoy a city but i'm i'm if i if i can pick i'd rather be out in nature uh, but you get backpackers in both. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, the demographic at Abraham Hostel that we reach is very wide. We call them independent travelers. Not all of them are the classic young backpackers necessarily uh, that you would expect to see. But, um, but yeah, so personally, I would go out to nature as much as I can yeah. whenever I can. But you're saying you get people in Abraham Hostel who aren't, you know, with a North Face 60-liter backpack Absolutely. looking to hike. First of all, our hostels are in cities. Uh, yeah. Both in Nazareth, Tel Aviv, and uh, Jerusalem. And uh, so naturally, you get people with trolleys because it makes much more sense. And if I travel to a city, I wouldn't necessarily haul a big backpack. Mm -hmm. Probably take a trolley and a small backpack. Uh, and also, the demographic that we get is super uh, wide. On the edges, we get families with kids. Um, and really? On the other end, yeah, absolutely. Seniors? All, all, on the other end, we have seniors all the time. Um, What's and, the and in the middle, most senior? You oh no, we've had 90-year-olds and we have we've had 80-year-olds wow. go on our tours, massage sunrise, climb it up. Um, sleeping know. sleeping in the dorm rooms? Yeah, also. Really? Also, um, they tend to lean towards private rooms and we we prefer generally to have them there cuz yeah. the cool crowd when they run into somebody over the age of let's say 30 or 40, they're a little bit bummed sometimes to see them in the in the dorm room. But um but yeah, we get them all across. And, yeah, yeah, they and don't the like the noise. They like sleep early. Yeah. Other we have earplugs, and and a lot of them are super cool. They're 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 much cooler than necessarily I, as a family man with young kids, are yeah. am today. They they seasoned travelers. They've been everywhere. They've done everything. They out drink you at the bar, <laughs> and they uh, and they can be really cool. But but we get from the entire spectrum. And in the middle, we still try to keep a core of independent. Let's say twenty to thirty five, forty year old pure independent travelers um and they maintain the vibe of the atmosphere of the place which is the kind of the 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 secret recipe to a hostel secret sauce secret sauce to yeah. a hostel versus a hotel because we have private rooms that are really nice hotel standard but and what separates us or ma makes us unique is the sense the of community is the atmosphere yeah it's a sense of community it's the way the common spaces are organized it's the activities that we do it's the facilitating of the meeting of people right it's the bringing in people such as yourselves who've mentioned that you've been to our hostel so basically locals to meet tourists so tourists as a tourist you don't just get to hang out with other tourists you meet the locals uh -huh. you hang yeah. out with them you speak you know you go out with them and yeah. was this, the, Marry this them. idea for for that kind of style of a hostel um, did it come from your travels or is it something that, I mean, do you find that here in Israel? I'm not so, a, you know, well-traveled well, hostel yeah. stayer <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, he prefers like five-star yeah. hotels. So I'll tell I you what. boxes under the bridge. <laughs> 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 so what you'll find now is much different than what I found. And one of my, the motivations I had for opening a hostel was that I dealt with travelers before and backpackers before I opened Abraham Hostel. And I found that a lot of them came to me uh, after ha having gone on a, on, a, on a city walking tour and asked uh, to recommend them a hostel. And I would mention a few of the ones in the old city in Jerusalem, some of the ones in Tel Aviv. And they'd say, no, I've, that's the one I'm at. That's not what I'm looking for. And over time, I realized there isn't really that proper 
um, backpacking hostel that that creates that atmosphere, uh, that fully creates that atmosphere, or and and brings in a, a blend of locals and activities and, and mm -hmm. a rich exp experience. Um, and the hostels that we own today are really um, sort of a um, and the essence of what we as the the owners enjoyed as travelers and we're all very seasoned travelers a lot of things that we've we pick up constantly uh on these different work trips and and networking events that we go and and these organizations that we're part of with other hostel owners right. around the world um and feedback that we get from our guests constantly whether it's online feedback or whether it's direct feedback on hey this was great this felt weird this was fantastic uh, I was missing this in my room. Uh, how about this event that I used to, that I ran into in another hostel? And we take all of those things and we try to integrate and incorporate them, give them our special local feel and, you know, trial and error. Yeah. That's you, cool. Um, so, okay. Here's a question. Okay. Shoot. <laughs> is, is Israel safe for for people coming from abroad wow because so name. i'll tell you what is safe yeah what is between safe? you and you me. guys you guys you guys, you guys are europe totally... you know that what i tell now people europe is there uh, yeah look Who, at europe where, where is safe now? where is safe yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> first of all i could see you guys are priming yourself to be uh to be sponsored by the ministry of tourism that's very good yeah, yeah. but I, I'll, I'll answer with the 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 sort of never never fail exact answer i get every time i ask these questions so when people arrive if they if i just meet a traveler that's just arrived which doesn't happen enough these days because i'm up in the office but i go down to the bar to an event and i say hey how's it going if they say yeah i just arrived and i say how, how was it you know before you came here what you know how did you feel what did your family friends oh people were hysterical told me i'm crazy how can i be coming here it's a war zone blah blah, blah. and i felt really brave that i came and I was like, okay, cool. So how do you feel now? Yeah, you know, I just got here, so I'm not sure. And I was a little bit questioning in the in the airport. Great. And then I run into them a couple of days later. Uh, and this is especially true for solo female travelers, which is, is even kind of one step up yeah. from, from just a, a general guy or a couple of guys traveling. I say, yeah, hi, you know, how is it now? You You know, you've been here a few days. Oh. I never felt safer. Honestly, I can go anywhere. I can be anywhere. Um, it's absolutely great. Uh, as a, as a solo female traveler, there's almost nowhere I feel uncomfortable to go. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going into the West Bank and back to Israel and around Israel, and it's fantastic. And and that's the message usually they leave with. And I think that sums it all. I think that sums the entire process of this kind of overcoming of a fear and a general sentiment that Israel is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, um, People have this idea that it's like a war zone. You yeah, know, that absolutely. Rockets falling. And but sometimes the people, uh, you know, I just, I, I was... unfortunate, sorry, and that so. taps into what you were joking about earlier. Where is safe nowadays around the world? And I think uh, it's unfortunate that, that we can say this now, but, but terror and, um, you know, uh, random acts of terror are happening around the world all the time. And I think in that sense, Israel is very well uh, prepared and equipped to deal with them very fast when, the, if yeah. and when they happen, which is is not true for us. I think some of the events happening around the world these days. Yeah, but it's just the sense that that you get. I mean, I was working on this production that was here in Israel of Americans. And tyrant. They were all tyrant, and they were all here filming for months, and then the war broke out. So, okay, protective edge. 
um, and and rockets were falling. And all of a sudden, yeah. sirens were were you know. Come on, what are rockets here? A rocket here? And a these guys there. were in in the Hilton on the beach of Tel Aviv, and they were all freaking out. In the end, they actually left. They left to Turkey to film. Maybe there. the term is yeah. fled. They fled. They, <laughs> they fled. fled. They made it. They actually made these shirts when they left. Uh, it's not location. It's evacuation. <laughs> and it, they just left. And yeah. I I mean, yeah. but the thing is, like, even in those moments. Tel Aviv, like people, like citizens of Israel, were just walking around the streets as if everything was normal. It's true. I think once, uh, on average, although that's that there used to be a um, an axiom, 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 which isn't true anymore anyway. But uh, around every two years, uh, something like that would happen, which would would be an uh, it would be you know slightly more unusual than just the. Yeah. Uh, the chance of a uh, of a random act of terror on the street, um, and that affects the tourism industry um, immensely. So mm -hmm. it's a huge challenge that that our our um, uh, colleagues around the world. It's, you guys, you guys, yeah, felt they don't the hits when those. Yeah, absolutely, we feel the hit, the hit, and 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 that. But that's that's that happens every couple of years, let's say, and that's in a way unusual. Outside of those military operations or mini wars or however you like to call them, I think it's a safer place, uh, definitely from a personal safety, not a political safety, but mm -hmm. a personal safety, crime, etc., petty theft and um, yeah, we don't being have those attacked or pick raped. Pickpockets. Yeah. Pickpockets. It's much safer than most uh, places in yeah. the world. Definitely big European or American cities. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's people don't realize you have a higher well. chance of you know getting know, dying dying in a car accident on the road in the states than yeah getting stabbed by some crazy <laughs> guy with a knife here. Yeah. Although I think maybe also there is a little bit uh, an element of ignorance is a bliss. For example, I was just in the weekend in uh, Jerusalem in the old city mm -hmm. with a guest from Germany and we were uh, traveling around and just as we uh, went out of the Kotel, the uh, Western Wall, Eastern Wall. Um, Western. Western world. Um, it was just the time of the prayer for the Muslim when it ended. It was mm -hmm. Friday, so f suddenly we found ourselves with swarms. Or I mean, in, in the old uh, alleys of the ancient city, swarms of thousands of 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 people coming back from Temple Mount from a prayer, and I know those are ten tentious times, so I couldn't help but feel a little bit uh, eerie. And, but she, the guest, she was just, you know, everything's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like she doesn't. It's a fun experience. It's it, cultural. It's, it's, it's cultural. Yeah. Crazy. So it, it struck me a little bit. Like yeah. she has no idea that I might get stubbed in a few seconds. Ah, you look as, as uh, touristy as she does. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but regardless, I'm saying. Um, Plus you had her to throw her yeah. in front of you as a shield. <laughs> Operati Operation protective, uh, <laughs> protective shield. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is maybe also they aren't fully aware of, I don't know. Yeah, but if you look back, and uh, I think there's only one case in where, where a tourist was attacked, I think somewhere in Jaffa, and I think yes. had the attacker known, he wouldn't have attacked them. Yeah. And uh, it's very rare, very rare. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we, we, we do tours to the West Bank all across the West Bank, uh, Jericho, uh, Bethlehem, Ramallah, Nablus, Janine, on a weekly basis, uh, several times a week. Mm -hmm. Janine? Yeah. yeah. Tell we us have about tours. that. Well, just complete and say our tours and tourists have never been targeted throughout the, the past six years on yeah. any of our tours. Right. And uh, so... 
we have Being some, some probably audience in ISIS. Safest. So ISIS, you know. fantastic. They should sign up. <laughs> <laughs> no, so wait, so tell us about, I mean, you guys go do tours in Janine? Yeah, we do tours. There's a tour that goes every week from Jerusalem on Mondays to Nablus and Janine. Wow. Probably my, one of my favorite West Bank tours. I mean, some wow. of the other ones are fascinating. We have a Hebron dual narrative tour, which is a, a unique um, concept to us. It's not we don't as an org, as a private uh, company have a political agenda, so we're one of the only organizations, maybe the only one, touring Hebron without a political agenda. We just want to expose the complexities. So you spend half a day with a uh, Jewish settler guide, half a day with a Palestinian Muslim guide. And uh, you visit both sides of the Tomb of the Patriarchs, things that tourists have the privilege to do that we, ne neither we as Israelis or Palestinians on the, in the West Bank have the, the privilege to do because our movement um, is restricted. I can't go to those tours, right? I cannot um, go. We'll talk about that. Okay, how no does comment. The, how does the handoff Officially, happen? Officially, no. How does the handoff happen is one, the of, one of the challenges, but, but at one of the checkpoints um, that separate... Um, uh -huh the two sides of Hebron, uh, there's a handoff between the Israeli That's guide and the Palestinian be. guide. Wow. It's, it's, it's a complicated situation, mostly for the Palestinian guide, but we have a partner there that's been managing this. Um, How is it complicated? Now. It's complicated because anybody who seems, who, who is seen to be cooperating in any way um, uh, with, with, with the, occupation. the other side, with the occupation, allowing even the other side's narrative to be heard uh, is is looked at funny and to the you know it can cause problems positive but yeah, yeah. it could could and, yeah. and actually problems treated as a, could be treated as a traitor um or yeah. regarded as a traitor and thrown off the roof but that's got to be for your your guests one hell of a tour I mean, yeah that so one that it's one it's like it's like being in berlin in like the 1950s or 60s and crossing the oh, the iron curtain it's imagine like, I mean, yeah imagine going on a tour like that's that crazy. yeah so it's a little bit of that and it's a very impactful tour it's a tour where we tell people listen it's a full day tour don't plan anything for the evening. You're going to want to decompress sometimes the following morning. You know, this is something uh, not not to compare at all, but but a, a, a same kind of uh, powerful experience that we tell people when they, when they go to Yad Vashem. We say, listen, if you're going to go, go for a few hours. Don't plan anything for the rest. It's a very uh, yeah, intensive experience. You're going to want to decompress. No argument that the situation there, it's it's emotional for everyone, I think it's it's not an easy situation there. No, no matter from which political perspective you look at it, and who's to be blamed, it's it's a hard side to see. Let's answer but, that right now. <laughs> no, um, no, but I'm saying how how do they react to that, and how can you prevent politics? Like when you go through through the refugee camps, uh, the most simple and basic question is. Why are there still refugee camps after 70 years? Why haven't then they had so many? So that's a basic question I think that might arouse. So how do you how do, how can you prevent Keep that? So there's yeah. two there's two ways we address this. If it's a tour where we're able to provide a multi-narrative experience, then we allow the local community members to voice their narrative, to have an engaging conversation. People ask them questions, they give their story. Uh, and people make up their own minds. We don't take sides. We don't pre-frame the experience. And we don't expect them to leave with a certain conclusion. They will leave with whatever conclusion they want. Mm -hmm. Our main goal is to have them leave with the conclusion that it's a very complicated situation. Because the thing we uh, encounter most are people who come with a very dichotomous uh, um, 
narrative in mind. Yeah, point of yeah. view on the conflict, uh, whether it's you know good, bad, terrorist, uh, settler, uh, apartheid, or you know it doesn't matter. It depends where you come from, what what right. media you consume. They tend to come with a very um, straightforward conclusion, and we want to um, remove them uh, and and shake them and show them all the different layers. So you want to confuse people. We we try to mostly <laughs> confuse people in the way that we're confused ourselves. <laughs> yeah, in a no, way. that's yeah. good. So uh, and if they leave confused and they're uh, inspired to go and research more and engage more, fantastic. Then we then we're happy. Um, mm. And okay, so you know, not so political destinations. You guys do tours to the the Galilee and to the desert, and absolutely, we do tours first of all within the cities that we're in. So we've, we we try to and we try to create very unique and, and interesting experiences that we'd like to uh, take to, to take part in if we were tours. So, for example, in Jerusalem, we have a Meet the Orthodox Community tour. We have so you you get to meet the Orthodox community, understand a little bit about again the fact that they're not all the same. Uh, and the you know the 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 even the the internal dialogues within the community and it's very fascinating for people who you know have seen a couple of movies maybe somebody down the street think okay they're all religious orthodox uh -huh. Jews but don't understand that it's not that simple yeah. uh, we do a market uh, cooking tour so you go into the market the Machneuda market during the day and you see the spices and you taste stuff and then you buy stuff and you go back and, and you do a cooking workshop. We do twice a week a workshop where we teach people how to make hummus, which is like magic to them. They're, <laughs> they're, you know, they think it's... A Just boil the hummus and mix yeah, it. Yeah, don't, don't tell <laughs> <it that>. <laughs> <laughs> With chini. With chini. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> that, but, it. but they buy for so much money or they, they, you know, they hear about it and it's such a wonder food and it's organic. <laughs> you know how to make I, it. I heard people say, but do, doesn't it take a, a special powder? Exactly. For stuff like that, they're yeah. sure a it's spell, like... A spell, a spell. Yeah. You got to do a dance. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we make them do a dance and they love it. And they do some arak and we put some music on and it's a, it's a fun, so fun it's, experience. It's mostly inside in the cities. Like so, we do within the cities. We do from the cities uh, outwards. So day tours. So, for example, from Jerusalem, we have a Masada and Getty Dead Sea tour every day. Uh, okay. Sometimes for the sunrise. Some days it's a regular day tour. We have a Dead Sea chill out tour, which we go in the afternoon, have some some green tea and some dates, and chill out and kind of float. Um, we do a sunrise bicycle tour around the old city. So things that you wouldn't necessarily like we're, we're independent travelers or backpackers or whatever. We, when we go somewhere, if we can do it our, ourselves, just tell us how we'll do it. Uh, if I'm going to go with, some, with you to do something, I'm going to do something that I wouldn't be able to do myself. And that's what we try to offer. We try to offer I unique see. experiences. Um, because I saw statistics. The West Bank tours where people can generally go on them by themselves and we, mm -hmm. we we give them that information a lot of people are weary or they want to they just have one day and they want to see a bunch of stuff and that's that's where we come in and, and provide yeah. these i, I saw statistics that uh tourism uh, people coming here to see to travel uh, the numbers rose over the last couple of years right and there has been no uh, fix me if i'm wrong yeah no uh since 2000, numbers have pretty much been stagnant, uh, ups and downs. Uh, the summer was, wasn't great at all for no specific reason. There was no military operation or specific intifada happening. Not yet, at least. No, this past summer. Ah, the past um, summer, yes. And winter all of a sudden was fantastic. Um, it's, it's weird. It's hard to really... Um, it's it's hard to plan things and and kind of it's not you know we meet people abroad they have this seasonality it's you know pretty much fixed numbers they go up a little bit if you you know if you meet people but it feels there abroad. are a lot of of i don't know yeah. so this winter has been great um 
It's like an alternative fact. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it feels true. Feels like there's a lot of <laughs> tourists. Yeah, it's fake yeah, news. It's fake news. And uh, what I can I, what I can say it's happening. That's great in general. I think for us, but generally for tourism, is more independent versus group tourism. Right. Independent tourism is fantastic for local economy. Group tourism is okay, but for very specific organizations, for right. tour organizers, for tour guides, for bus companies, for big hotels. And I think the big change that happened is the low-cost companies from Europe that began traveling here and bringing more individual tourists, right? Absolutely. And vice versa. We also now can travel. I just bought tickets for 100 euros to to go to Milan in in nec- in the end of the year. Yeah. Uh with Ryanair. So it's amazing, you know, it's it's this is the big advantage I think of living here in Israel as opposed to the states. But um so people are coming here, but where do they go? Like what attracts people, let's say young people from Europe to come here? Where do they go? What, what fascinates them? What, you know? So generally, you find that people feel comp- uh, compelled or, or like they must uh, check off the iconic sites. So they do it. Some do it on their own. Some do it on a, a part of a tour. Right. And then it really, div- if their independent travel is not part of a group that have an itinerary, it splits down to their own motivations. If they like uh, n- um, nightlife or um, they're more lifestyle-oriented, they'll hit Tel Aviv, the beaches, the cafes, the bars. If they're more religiously inclined or, or they like history or culture or political, they're, they're more politically curious, then they'll go to Jerusalem, they'll go to the West Bank, uh, they'll visit some of the holy sites, let's say Nazareth and Bethlehem and Jerusalem. So then it really splits down. That's what makes it interesting because then it, that, that opens a lot of opportunities to do interesting stuff uh, and to develop interesting segments of tourism in Israel where you get these people with various motivations and not just this one group where their tour uh organizer organized an itinerary that's more or less the same as any other tour group mm-hmm. um so it depends also what t- if it's their first sec or or, or a second or third visit it's their first visit they'll see all the iconic sites they'll go to you know the old city the western wall masada um uh, dead go, sea. yeah dead sea uh um, yeah jaffa etc Uh, if it's their second or third, then they've already seen those sites, and then now they're going to start to explore um, a little bit more in depth, a little bit more within their personal curiosities. So That's when they get to Janine. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's when usually they find not themselves first. strolling through uh, <laughs> The Kasabah. Yeah, but I wonder, I'm sure they're not a, like a big chunk of your visitors, but do you guys get Israeli tourists staying at uh, at the hostels? So we do. Um, we do, and it changes from hostel to hostel. We get a different kind of a amount of Israelis, uh, you know, that's w- with regards to, to how big each of the hostels are. Um, when we opened up Jerusalem, we strategically focused on individual travelers incoming. After the first or second uh, kind of big military operation, we realized, shit, when that happens, they all flee, and we start to scramble for... Um, segments that we don't work with usually which are groups and israelis so we opened up to that a little bit more mm-hmm. uh on our you know on throughout the year uh so that we can reach into those segments if they're the only ones traveling basically um and there are certain things that i mean there's there's a little bit of a danger there um if we get with israeli heavy and this is true for hostels abroad as well they start to lose the atmosphere they become mm-hmm. like uh shkuna, you know like yeah a, Like this Israeli vibe, everyone's speaking Hebrew, shouting, you know, there's yeah. not, you're not amongst other travelers. Yeah. Um, and so we try to avoid that. Um, and we have a couple of, of tricks 
that uh, help us. Uh, Thoughts in the, in the interns? Big, big no Israelis. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. no, I mean, uh, they're, they're pretty basic. First of all, we, we don't have kashrut. We're not, we don't, I mean, uh, we serve okay. breakfast. That's that's from kosher products. We don't have a two-dat kashrut, and that drives a lot of people away. Also, common kitchen is a common kitchen. You can come and wake whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also, our bars, uh, which you, I guess you visited, and especially Jerusalem, you know, uh, they're very cool. They have lots of tourists. They have a free pool table, but we found that if you if you make sure they're they're not non-smoking, like we, we actually you know it's the law, but we actually uphold it. And also uh, the fact that everyone that nobody the, the the majority of people don't speak Hebrew keeps away the people who so, some of the kind of people that we'd rather not come in and take yeah, over the atmosphere. The vibe. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. He's talking about you, Eitan. <laughs> we don't have TVs. I'll stay away. I'll stay away. <laughs> we don't have TVs in, in the majority of our rooms as well. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Why? That's in, because uh, we're, com- we're, we're a place to try to facilitate community and we want you out of your room. Your room is nice and clean. You're and like my mother. Yeah. <laughs> we want you to come out, hang out in the lounge, sit in a hammock, have a beer, meet other yeah. people. The, uh, the hostels really are room by yourself. like, they, that's really, I mean, they're unique here in Israel in that sense that like, they're the only ones that provide that atmosphere. I remember, you know, I, I'm from the States originally coming here with groups like Young Judea or, uh, not Young Judea, Chetzva Keshet, yeah. there was this thing. And then also like, you know, coming here with different, in different uh, forums and staying in different hostels, and the hostels were always like so boring. Yeah. So they like that, you know, they were just like shitty hotels, basically. Yeah. It's true. I mean, the the hostels you probably stayed in were HI hostels. If they weren't a hotel, they were Anai Gudach Sanyot Noir. They're partially owned by the Ministry of Education, mm-hmm. and they're very institutional. They're very yeah. practical and functional, very institutional, but they don't. They they're targeted mostly at school and other educational groups. They don't try to facilitate this um, atmosphere and, and and interaction. They want people in their rooms, quiet, not not yeah. Uh, kind of give tearing the place down. Pri- prison basically. vibe, yeah, in yeah. a way. <laughs> but um, the, but no, they really did feel like prisons. I mean, they were they were horrible. But but the the Abraham hostels. I mean, the the space in Tel Aviv you guys have is insane. With yeah, all you that took graffiti a, and. First of all, Very you took cool. a huge industrial building and reshaped it, mm-hmm. which is, you know, in abroad it's obvious, but for some reason here in Israel, uh, it's it's more of a challenge to do it. And it hasn't been done much, unfortunately. And the, the space is amazing. The design is top of the art, which is also important, I think. Mm-hmm, you. you know, you want to wash your eye a little bit as you go to, you want you want to go to a beautiful place. So what if it's a hostel? want to see that people uh, thought about how it looks and f- and feels actually so that's yeah. also an important element so all those together uh, you brew something uh, special but it started in Nazareth right that was the first uh, and so what how did it how did it start how did it become so about 10 years ago uh, my partner Mao non <coughs> sorry uh, after having traveled himself and uh, did some did some trails also around the world and uh, had this uh, dream to open up um, a hostel or a guest house that would also um, serve a social, uh, create a social benefit for the local community with, w- within it, which within it sits, and uh, decided that Nazareth is the place of all places because it's kind of in the heart of the galley, a lot of uh, options around it, but also had undergone some demographical changes, especially the old market of Nazareth, uh, which. Um, 
uh, ended up making it a, a kind of abandoned and and full of um, drug uh, addicts, etc. Mm-hmm. And he it was a very interesting story how he, uh, a bit of a long one, but eventually how he found the building and was able to convince the owners of the building. How did he find the building? So he was walking around with his uh, st- starry gaze. For those of you who know him, and I uh, was looking for a building, and everyone was didn't understand, thought he was a Mossad agent, and he, uh, he ended up <laughs> going to uh, kind of the business consultancy for the municipality. And there was a lady there who said, listen, uh, my family has a building like this, but don't, you're, you're never going to be able to use it. And he said, uh, you know, who, who should I speak to? She's like, you can speak to my mom, but she's never going to let you. He went and spoke, met with her a couple of times. At the time, the... That's her, an Arab family. Yeah, it's an just... Arab Christian family. And her, her, the house has been abandoned for a long time, very run down. Um, nobody was living there. And it was a mess and, and was squatted by drug addicts. And she told him, uh, and, and it's still unclear to her. I, you know, meet with her sometimes, and uh, her daughter is now the manager of the guest house, and uh, still unclear how. But he managed to persuade her to give him the key, and he started to clean it up, um, and started to, you know, uh, advertise uh, on on various uh, booking platforms that there's a hostel and build a website, and slowly uh, the place gained, gained momentum and renovated it piece by piece. This is in what year? This is uh, 10 years ago, so I think uh, 2008, 2007, uh, around six, seven, yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, slowly it became it became known. It became known because the house was beautiful. It was cleaned up as a 200-year-old Arab mansion with beautiful painted ceilings and arched windows and an internal courtyard with kind of where there's the water trough for the animals. Now there's a little Plus fountain. if you get lucky, there's like a leftover syringe. And yeah, there used to be, but not <laughs> anymore. It's been cleaned up. <laughs> Uh, and since then, it's won several awards for sustainability, some prestigious awards, wow. and and uh, did a great service famous. for Nazareth. And because yeah, and and twelve as of today. Now I, I'm I'm kind of the uh, within a, the partnership, the person's responsible for for that guest house, and I, I go up there, and I think there's twelve other guest houses that sprouted out just around, right? And uh, some local um, artists and crafts women mostly that have opened little stores and little workshops around, and it's kind of uh, coming back to life and uh, drawing tourists and uh, cleaning and, and the municipalities cleaning it up a little bit and yeah the city still looks like a garbage can unfortunately but uh, not all parts of it not all parts um, but and, the general and, yeah. experience is still not good um, I don't know I don't know I if think. you've been there recently and who you've gone with but if you stay with us we do a free city tour every morning and we take you to the hidden gems and nice little uh, local uh, coffee shops and spice shops. Oh, I'm saying he deserves artists. more. You know? Yeah, and, but it's happening. That's the okay. thing. Where in the past it was going downhill, now it's it's improving and getting better, and more places are opening, more locals are coming back. And you had something to do with it, and he he had something to he do had, with it. Yeah. Now I'm I'm con- kind of responsible for continuing uh, his uh, in his footsteps in Nazareth. Maz um, now manages our Tel Aviv location. And uh, and that kind of inspired other guest houses in Nazareth, but also around Israel. And that's and when I got I came back from a, f- a few year kind of uh, work um, trip to Berlin, and when I got back and got involved in tourism, that's how we met together with uh, one of my other partners. And uh, and then uh, I we kind of ha- he kind of inspired me to look for um, a building in Jerusalem uh, back in two thousand and six. Oh, he's just calling me now. Let me turn it off. Okay. <laughs> and um, 
and when I found the building, we uh, found uh, two investors who are also now uh, two partners that are more actively involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the five of us set up uh, Abraham Hostels and uh, the place in Jerusalem and now Tel Aviv and also and merged next place. Nazareth. So the original vision or um, goal of Abraham Hostels, and that also ties into the name Abraham, was to create a regional chain of, of hostels around kind of the the region that Abraham wandered around Dwelled. on his, on his yeah. way from Iraq to Hebron. And uh, unfortunately, geopolitically, that doesn't look like it's getting closer. Although although Trump knows? is bringing peace now. so Yeah, so he says, and I hope he does. And so Baghdad. That, yeah, <laughs> that, that was one of my dreams. My, my biggest dreams is really? Iraq to create. A, a wow. And, and Abraham Torres kind of leads the way because right now we don't have hostels in, in, say, the West Bank or Jordan or Egypt, but we do tours there. And as soon as it uh, might become possible, then we'll, we'll be able and we'd like to set up hostels there. If, that, if in the next few years that doesn't become – that's still not possible, then we'll see. We might, uh, you know, just – keep you know it at, at the way it is now with Sheba, the cities we have yeah possibly so as a as abraham hostel as a brand goes for kind of large locations mm-hmm. or in the world it would be called a medium to large hostel because mm-hmm. there's much larger hostels um and and right now outside of jerusalem and tel aviv and nazareth is just there because it, it was there before mm-hmm, we started mm-hmm. jerusalem tel aviv uh, there aren't really places that can support such a large hostel in israel mm-hmm. without dealing with specifically or focusing on groups right. not even not Haifa alone. so we get offered Haifa a lot and we, we try to encourage whoever offers us to open one in Haifa <laughs> oh, okay yeah. um, like no, what you, you Haifa give Haifa is not a big enough destination because uh, really only the gateway cities which right now are Jerusalem and Tel Aviv because people land in Ben Gurion or you know, we're an island economy in that, in that sense and then they go to Jerusalem or Tel Aviv and they're big enough, the, uh, then, then people disperse a little bit and, and you, you kind of need smaller places. Right. Um, mm. Maybe a lot with the opening of um, the new airport in yeah. Timna, possibly. We'll see. But uh, can Israelis, by the way, uh, open a business in Jordan? Uh, we have a peace agreement with them. Does that allow it? So that and also the West Bank always splits into, is it legally possible? As far as I know, you need a lo- some kind of local partner, but I'm not sure. Even if it was... legally possible from a community point of view and this is something Jordan specifically and Amman specifically that we've looked into it's not the, the situation isn't ripe isn't ripe yeah. your suppliers and possibly your guests might end up being targeted politically you don't I mean, want to be evacuated in, from the rooftops of, exactly. of the hostel <laughs> I mean people Amman. demonstrate in London in front of a, a Hava cosmetics factory so right. definitely uh, you know you'd end up being a, a symbol and a target Um, in a place like Jordan unless there was some kind of you uh, could call it the Ishmael uh, hostel yeah <laughs> you can call it a lot of things and you can have a, you know put up a f- you know have, have, have a local up front yeah. at the end of the day it's, it's too, too much of a risk yeah. Yeah, at some point somebody will know it. but th- let's go back uh, for a second for backpackers And the backpacking culture he- here in Israel did it change over the years is it is it more uh, convenient now for backpackers here in Israel they go to the Shvili Israel the Israel trail or what what's going on with them now so I think in the past backpackers uh, the, the big hype was the, the, kind of, the kind of kibbutz experience I think back in the I guess 70s maybe 80s when that was still a, a thing to do. And we get a lot of people coming now saying, oh, my parents were in a kibbutz and they had such a great time. And, 
Uh, and I think that was the thing um, when people still used to arrive more on boats um, and when airfare was much more expensive. Uh, I think um, from from around the mid-90s till recently, till five, six years ago, even maybe less, maybe four or five years ago, backpacking wasn't a big thing in Israel because the kibbutz, the whole kibbutz experience started, you know, as kibbutzes were being privatized and, and Thai workers were a lot cheaper and, and manageable than these crazy Europeans. Um, less and less kibbutzes were opening up to volunteers. Also, a lot of the younger kibbutz uh, members would leave then, and that was a th that was that was kind of a thorn for a lot of the elderly. Um, they would leave with you know these volunteers and go back to where wherever they came from. Um, so it kind of dwindled, I think, back backpacking, uh, and also with the with the shaky security situation throughout the intifadas. And I think recently, as you mentioned, with low cost airlines, with Abraham hostels opening, and also inspiring, and, and Airbnb here is also thriving. Airbnb. And uh, and Israel was and still is an expensive destination, yeah. But with more low cost options, and even these low cost options, f when you compare them to a lot of destinations, still are expensive, but but more manageable. Especially as Israel is not a long term destination; it's not the South America, the Far East, or Australia, where you go for two three weeks and you need a lot of money, or two three months even. Sorry, yeah. You come for seven to ten days, and, and if you stay in a in a backpacker's like you know with us or or, or a dorm. Um, then you can get I need street food you can get by on a reasonable budget especially now that the flights are cheaper yeah um, and now I think there's a renaissance there's a renaissance that we're part of that the low, the um, budget airlines are part of that um, yeah um, I How think the you? internet is part of uh, in, in empowering people and giving them a lot of uh, information so they feel comfortable to travel by themselves and not with someone how do you get to your international uh, you know, market like how do, do you guys work with the Ministry of Tourism or do you? So the Ministry of Tourism, their job is to do marketing on a national level. Uh -huh. uh, they don't really support independent businesses yeah. directly, um, and we do a lot of our own marketing. Uh, we try to be very creative and viral online. Uh, one of the things we emphasize is driving direct bookings through our own booking engines or uh, phone or walk-in or email, as opposed to Booking.com. You or don't Expedia. work with Booking, Airbnb, etc. You mean booking via Airbnb? Booking dot, no, booking.com, booking Airbnb, you don't work with them? No, we do work with them, but uh, we try to drive as many people to book directly. Right, uh, of booking, course. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a big uh, discussion now on a global level on the effects of these booking engines and how a lot of um, properties are essentially almost owned by these companies because they own their marketing channels. They've yeah. For, they they forso forsaked... Uh, their own marketing efforts and just market it through them. And if they're not selling their beds, then they're, or, or, or if they don't provide them the best rates, then they basically can't sell out. You're these, completely dependent on them. Yeah. And these booking platforms uh, keep raising their commission level. So initially it was very attractive to sell through them. Now it's very expensive. It could be upwards of 20% yeah. commission. And a lot of places now can't, can't handle that, handle that uh, level of commission, but on the other hand, they don't have any direct marketing channels. Right. We work very hard to drive direct uh, bookings, um, and we have and about 30% of our bookings come in through OTAs, through online travel agents, and the rest we manage to source directly, which is a big achievement on an international kind of scale. But in the end of the day, you guys, you you implied for it, but let's let's put it on the table. You guys took a huge risk expanding 
you took i re remember articles uh where you said you took you took huge loans yeah to finance those hotels and that's and in general i think dealing with tourism here in israel it's a huge risk because as you mentioned i i would guess that during protective edge mm -hmm. what it dropped like 80 90 mm -hmm. percent yeah, for at mm -hmm. least half a year the the market was dead basically right um, and so it could happen again so how do you take such a risk so first of all it wasn't that low for that long but it was low and it did it did hurt us uh significantly and luckily we had been up and running long enough to be able to uh have enough enough um spare money to uh, see it through but uh yes you know the line between courageous and stupid is very narrow and you only at the <laughs> end you find out which side you're at and yes. uh right now we you know we seem courageous and yeah we did take uh sometimes i mean all the money the that same. we've taken sorry sometimes they're the same it's, it's true just, yeah uh, circumstances absolutely and this is the case are. and this is the case it's the circumstances are going to decide to a large extent because 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 i think our product's good it's 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 you know trial tested and and we're confident in it and it's uh you know we're we're also um in, in in many ways a world leader especially in the way we combine our tours business with our hostel business and we you know i i have several times lectured abroad on it and a lot of uh, uh industry associates come and, and advise with us on it and and we're pretty we're pretty happy and it's going well when the when the security situation is fine but if it's not fine, then there's nothing really. And we're, we're lobbying the Ministry of Tourism and the Ministry of Finance very hard to create a um, kind of insurance policy for when the shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people who invested their personal money and taken huge personal loans are now, for no fault of their own, in a sticky situation with the right. banks, with their investors, with whoever. Uh, and if the tourism industry wants to survive and be able to bounce back, it has to make sure these people... Uh, you know, don't don't go underwater. People such as ourselves, not only ourselves, um, and so yeah, it's a, it's a huge risk. It's true, and we're working hard to kind of make it. You know, that's one of the one of the first things you hear from veteran um, uh, people in the tourism industry or hoteliers. They say, when it's good, work hard, put money aside, because it's not a question of if; it's just a question of when it's going to get shitty again, and you want to have enough to get through. Right. And that's kind of our mindset, unfortunately. Sounds anxiety ridden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty stressful at times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, when when things are going well, it's very fulfilling. And, yeah. Uh, and the, I think the answer to that is it comes back to what you know. What's your dream, or or how did you get into travel, and what's so exciting about, tra about travel? It's it's that that drives us to work in it and and do it every day and right. create something unique and. Mm -hmm. Well, Gal, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, the hostels pleasure. are great. And people should, regardless of whether where you stay, you should just come and visit Israel because it's fun. Yeah. And we are not sponsored by the Ministry of Tourism <laughs> in, any, in any way. But you should means. go to the Abraham Hostels. And we're not sponsored by the Abraham Hostels. Oh, no. no I'm, not, I'm not leaving any money. And I might take another <laughs> beer on my back. <laughs> so, Gal, thank you. Thank you very You're much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Bye.